It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is Mark Rutledge, president of TruePay. Mark's business career started in Indianapolis with the Burroughs Corporation, where he played a business development role in their financial services division. After three years with Burroughs, Mark was offered a payroll market development position with a regional bank holding company who provided payroll and related services to both bank and non-bank clients. At the ripe age of 29, Mark and two other colleagues formed Interlogic Systems, a payroll processing company where he stayed for more than 10 years. Mark formed TruePay in 2003, where he and his talented team have successfully built the company providing payroll and HCM services to over 1,700 organizations with locations in every U.S. state and territory. Mark grew up in Muncie, Indiana, where he earned his business degree in economics in 1981 from Ball State University. Mark Rutledge, welcome into the corner office. Well, thank you, Brant. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today. Well, it's great to have you here. And we spoke a couple of weeks ago, although I must say that this is probably going to be released a few months out, but we're going into our fourth month of sheltering in place since COVID. And uh, how are you doing? How are you? How's your family? How's your operation during these interesting uh, pandemic times, so to speak? You know, I'm doing well today. Um, Family is doing well. Everyone's safe. Um, I have to tell you that we were um, early on in the shutdown, things were a little bit dicey. Yeah. Um, we didn't really know or really have a good sense of what business was going to look like through this That's process. Right. And, That's right. So much you know, uncertainty. Yeah, yeah. Whether we'd be down 15% or 60%, we didn't right. really know. And uh, concerned about reductions in staff and whether we'd make it through the process um, uh, all intact, which uh, uh, we were able to do. But there were certainly some sleepless nights along the way. I can imagine. And, and how has the business been affected? Impacted? You know, it's, it's it's really been pretty good, Brant. We um, we saw a, uh, a reduction of about 31% in business through the, right. at the real heart of the uh, the COVID shutdowns. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that we're back to just under 100% of where we were pre-COVID wow. at this point. So I'm feeling really That's good awesome. about that. That's awesome. You know, in the, the few podcasts I've been recording, and we're now mid-June, this is probably going to be released sometime in August, but pretty much the same thing has happened. Many companies have been hit very hard in the beginning, and that 30 to 40% sounds very familiar, and many now are coming back. So maybe we will have that V recovery that everyone was talking well, about. Well, I hope so. We'll, time will tell. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much for that. And, you know, we always like to kind of start with your early years, Mark. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what your early family life 
was like? Absolutely. I, uh, I grew up in central Indiana in mm. a uh, very small rural farming town uh, called DeSoto, Indiana, uh, just outside of Muncie, Indiana. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Muncie uh, was uh, very much a uh, General Motors town sure. uh, with Delco and uh, and various other, uh, Borg Warner, a lot of um, uh, GM manufacturing facilities. Um, Isn't Muncie also famous? Wasn't there a Broadway play? What was it? The um, 76 trombones. Am I getting something confused no, there? No, Muncie, Muncie <laughs> was a, uh, there was a book written on Muncie called Middletown USA. Maybe that's what it was. And uh, that right. was kind of right. a big deal back in a long time sure, ago. Sure, sure. But uh, very much a manufacturing town. Um, yeah. Did mom and dad work in those industries? Yeah, no, my dad was actually a, a union plumber and pipe fitter. Oh, wow. Cool. And uh, kind of evolved into an HVAC um, uh, individual in business yeah. over the years. My mother okay. was, uh, was worked at home. She stayed at home the entire time I was growing up. Brothers and sisters? Two sisters, both okay. older than me, uh, okay, eight it. and 10 years. So, oh, wow. Um, Guess what? That's like me. I've got a seven and 10 year old yeah. brother. So Mistakes you were the happen. baby. Mistakes happen, baby. right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's better. I'm sure you were spoiled just like I was growing yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. So dad, blue collar, uh, college educated? Uh, uh, no college. Uh, no college. Yeah. Neither, neither my mom or dad had college. As a matter right. of fact, I was right. the first individual in our family to do so. Wow. Wow. Real working class. Great. What were some of the things you, you remember? You know, obviously hard work sounds like it was part of it. Dad, you know, obviously probably came home real tired every day. But, you know, if you thought about some of those lessons from mom and dad in those early years, uh, Mark, what would you have taken away then? You know, I think the uh, focus was really around uh, hard work ethic, um, mm. do the right thing, um, my, uh, both parents encouraged, uh, both myself and my sisters to be very independent thinkers to, uh, nice. uh to think, think through things at a, at a deeper level than I think a lot of, uh, other, uh, parents did. Um, but you're right. They were both very hard workers. And, uh, unfortunately my dad passed away at the age of 50. I was only 17 years old when he passed away. Oh my. So and, um, so, you know, that was a process that, uh, was yeah. difficult to go through, but, um, you know, I, it kind of changed the trajectory of, of where I'm at today. Sure. Absolutely. H how about any other, uh, influencers or, or people that inspired you during early years, were there coaches or teachers or folks, uncles or aunts? <laughs> absolutely. Definitely. Um, uh, a teacher that, um, 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 Robert Hayes that helped me through high school. He was, um, uh, mm. particularly beneficial after the passing of my father going into my yeah. senior year of high school. He was, uh, really took me under his wing and, uh, was a tremendous role model for me. My, um, my my wife's father was a professor at Ball State and um, okay. uh, also was a, a really big influence on me at that particular time. Now, did you know him? Because I will talk about your education in a minute, but you went to Ball State. So was that uh, where you met and did you get to know your, your future father-in-law at that time? Actually, we met, um, I started dating my wife in high school as a okay. senior and uh, that's yeah. when we met and we, uh, she was a year younger than I, but we both yeah. uh, went, attended Ball State, went to Got Ball it. State. Got it. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. And what about school? Were you a good student in secondary school? I was a... Um, I was an average student, I would say, you know. <laughs> well, I, and the things that you liked. I'm yeah, sure. I, it, exactly. I mean, I did enough to get by. And, right. uh, you know, I was generally a B to C student and there was an occasional A 
that uh, that dropped on on the report card. But, <laughs> but it really, you know, it really wasn't until my junior year of uh, college that I really kicked into gear a little bit. But uh, yeah. I mean, I did okay. I just didn't really. It wasn't uh, that much of an interest to me. I didn't really have to study that hard to get B's and C's, and it was just kind of, this wasn't a uh, a priority for me at that time. What were your distractions? Sports, music, theater? <laughs> well, the sports, uh, you know, certainly sports uh, and uh, work. I worked, I've worked every, every, well, just about every day since I've been 16 years old. So, right. you know, right. I was uh, active in, uh, in in various sports in high school, basketball, football, um, uh, and doing a lot of different things, just like a lot of other kids. I was never sure. a uh, star at any of them, but I enjoyed the competitiveness of, right. uh, of sports. Right. No, no visions of going on to college or pro in any of your sports. Uh, that would be a no. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. You knew your limitations. Absolutely That's important not. as well. Good, good, good management leadership lesson. Early That's on. right. That's right. What, what about entrepreneurial things, Mark? When involved, did you have the ubiquitous paper route, or did you, you know, do other things, mow the lawns, etc.? Absolutely, I did the. I mowed bucks. the lawns. I, yeah. um, I did chores. I did whatever I could to earn a few dollars. I, uh, I remember I got four dollars a week for mowing my neighbor yard and uh nice and it took me like three or four hours to do it so uh yeah yeah <laughs> but an I, hour but it was yeah, whatever whatever that was, I could real do. Money. <laughs> yeah, it was real money it was real money what'd you do with that pocket money was it kind of expected you'd put it aside to save for college did you have some some vices you enjoyed while growing up a little bit of both i mean i was okay. a saver i like to save money yep. uh yep. and um i like to, to earn it and then i i usually had something that i was kind of shooting for a goal that i wanted to attain um but uh you know just a variety of things normal things, you know, uh, that most kids would be doing. Did you have some W-2 jobs going through high school? I did. And I, into college? I, I did. Those? My uh, my first job was at a restaurant and I worked as okay. a dishwasher. And, All uh, right. Uh, One of mine too. Yeah. <laughs> it's very humbling. It right? is very humbling. <laughs> and, uh, and finally made it to, um, uh, to the grill. So that was, ah. you know, so I did that for a while. And uh, I think in my senior year, freshman year of college, I uh, transitioned to a, um, a men's uh, suit store uh, okay. in the Muncie Mall and yeah, uh, yeah. sold men's suits. And uh, yeah. that was really a good experience for me. And good discounts as well. And good discounts as well. <laughs> Absolutely. So you went to Ball State. Was was that a choice uh, that maybe was influenced a little bit by your girlfriend at the time? Or uh, did you kind of have that in mind as uh, your, your your goal? Actually, I led the way because she okay. was a year behind me. So, right, um, right. Uh, but I went to Ball State. But, I, you know, primarily, um, I wasn't totally clear that I that I belonged there or that I should be in college at that particular really? time because it really hmm. wasn't my plan. My real plan was to work with my dad uh, okay. in his business. Really? So hmm. so I had to make a, a bit And of he a, was doing HVAC by then, yes, right? Yes, that's so correct. So it was distribution or service? Service, service yeah. and uh, support. Right. So, you know, we yeah. were, that was kind of my plan. So um, it took me a while to get a comment, you know, to get into the groove of, um, of Ball State. But sure. uh, I really went there because I wanted to be close to my mother that, uh, you know, had just experienced that loss. Both yeah. my sisters were yeah. married. So I felt, um, you know, responsibility to stay close to her through that right. process. Right. Yeah. And that wasn't too far away. Ball State was fairly close yeah, by. Ball State is yeah. in the, it's, it's in Muncie. It's in the same, same city. Hence why your future father-in-law worked there, right? That's right. Correct. <laughs> That's close enough. Correct. And and you studied three interesting topics. It was like economics, sociology, and U.S. history. What What kind of led you down those roads? I think in the first two years of school, I really focused on just general studies. I didn't really right. know what I wanted to do. I, yeah. I was not one of these kids that went to school with a plan of what my future would be. Right. And um, uh, I really, really enjoyed economics. And mm. um, 
And I got very connected with it early on and I really enjoyed it and I wanted to yeah. pursue it. I didn't really know what I could do with an economics degree. However. What did you like about it? What, what was it about economics? I like the numbers. I like the yeah. detail of it. I, um, you know, I like the, um, uh, uh, just the process of getting to a conclusion with mm. something and, um, and, and having a clear pathway of how to do it. And I, um, I just really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed history. I've always been a history buff. Mm, and, yeah. and so I, I, I decided that I was going to do the yeah. things that I liked. And, um, and, um, and I enjoyed probably history. Improved as well. Probably improved as well. <laughs> they did. Dramatically, actually. That's funny how that works. Yeah, dramatically. <laughs> Any period of history, Mark, that you liked? Yeah, uh, U.S. Cool. history. And, US history. Uh, yeah. and in particular, the, uh, the Civil War area is, uh, is right. certainly uh, was, uh, uh, was something that was uh, particularly of interest to me. Um, but I, I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. So I decided, well, I'm going to get a teaching degree as well. So I ended okay. up getting a, um, uh, uh, graduating with a, a teaching degree with a major in economics, U.S. history, and a minor in oh. sociology. Right. And cool. Uh, cool. little did I know, uh, teaching jobs, uh, so, social studies teachers were actually being laid off in Indiana yeah. during that yeah. period of time. So, right, right. Um, you graduated about the same time I did. It didn't work 80s, out so I well. Think. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you went to the Burroughs Corporation. Great, great company, great training ground. Did they recruit at Ball State or how did you kind of happen upon them as uh, your first job? Uh, they they did recruit at Ball State, but uh -huh. I really um, got that job by a, by a direct contact, not through the college, not through the university. So I, okay. I contacted them directly and I knew oh, of, really? uh, I knew of the company. And you I wanted to go there. I wanted to go there. Yeah, yeah. Huh. absolutely. And what was it that attracted you to them? I think the uh, the thing that attracted me mostly to Burroughs was the uh, training and development program that oh, they right. have, which sure. is pretty extensive. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, wonderful training ground, I'm sure. And so you went right into as an account manager, I did. handling sales. Did you did you have people responsibilities early on or any leadership roles? No, not at all. I was uh, simply a uh, development person, and um, I absolutely loved that job. And I knew that I I knew that I should be in sales shortly after taking that job. Yeah. And, and did you, uh, uh, you know, handle new accounts or did they give you an existing book? How did that work? Uh, it was a lot of new accounts. It was a new, yeah. new business development. There was some current um, existing business I, uh, I had to support, but the majority of it was, it was quota driven. It was new business <laughs> development for the most part. Got it. Got it. And so, so no, no leadership or management responsibilities there. When was the first time you started managing people? Uh, first time was, um, uh, in, uh, 1987 where okay. uh, I was 29 years old and, wow. uh, uh, it was my first entrepreneurial experience. Um, uh -huh. I was a minority owner of a payroll processing company. I had never managed anyone up until that time. And all of a sudden I found myself as vice president of sales and I have wow. to build a sales team. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Now this was Interlogic. Is that the company That's correct. we were talking about? Yeah. Okay. Interlogic yeah. Systems. And so yeah. you were a founder there as well. I was. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So tell us about kind of the logic behind that. Did you, <laughs> pardon the pun, did you decide when, because you, you were at Midwest Commerce, I think after you spent your time at Bros, did you decide with some colleagues there just to go invent a new mousetrap or what led you to that position? Yeah, actually what happened was um, the uh, the bank, which was Midwest Commerce, uh, had been sold to a large bank. And uh, that particular bank had a relationship with a competitor of ours, ADP, and uh, they sold the business to ADP. So, okay. so we really had an option to transition to another role within the bank or, or right. do something ourselves. And we decided to do something ourselves. There were three of us that started awesome. that company in 1987. Yeah. 
Great. And you were there for, gosh, almost 11 years. Um, how many employees and how large did that company get to? Uh, that company grew to um, about nine offices. Uh, we wow. were at that time one of the top 10 um, independent providers in the country. Uh, and uh, so that we, we, we had probably about, I think, maybe around 100 employees, 110 employees at that wow. time. Wow. Awesome. And, and what were some of those early leadership lessons that you learned uh, taking people, uh, you know, th through the management ranks, so to speak? I think um, uh, the main, the primary one um, uh, for me was uh, really always try to be genuine and real and or don't mm. try to be, be genuine and real yeah. and uh, be relatable uh, to try to put yourself in the position of your audience Um be respectful. It doesn't matter if you're talking to the CEO of the company or receptionist. Uh, give the same respect to both, and, and then just follow up, follow up, and follow up. Uh, you right. know, don't don't let go right. of that. And I uh, I was uh, very focused on that with with our team. Yeah. Now, was that business sold or did you move on to, because I know that you went to work for CNA, which I think is an insurance company, it is, right? It is. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so tell us about that transition and what led you from Interlogic to, to join a larger company. The company uh, was sold in 1998 to CNA. Nice. And, oh, it was um, sold. It was okay, sold uh, actually yeah. to CNA. And uh, they, they were uh, making a... Um, uh, move into the payroll processing business that we okay. were in. And so I worked for them for, um, you know, about four years, three, three to four yeah. years. Uh, before so that was a on. nice transition. Did, did you and your founders get a chance to participate a little bit in the fun of uh, selling a company at that stage? We did. We did, actually. <laughs> and that was a fun time. And uh, yeah. uh, that was a, it, well, I, I, I say it was a fun time, but I was a minority owner. And I probably would not have, if it were my company at that time, would not have sold it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but there, there were a lot of benefits to doing so. Yeah. Yeah. And you stayed on for a, a period of time there, obviously. And then uh, True True Pay Corporation, where you're currently present, you've been there for, gosh, almost a little over seven. 17 years, I think, are just coming up on that uh, that uh, birthday. Um, is that a company that you founded then? Or tell us about your transition. Okay, cool. So what was kind of the motivation around that? Well, uh, CNA decided to uh, divest themselves of 27 subsidiaries in the uh -huh. early 2000s uh, because it. of the dot-com bust at that sure. time. 2002, 2003. Yep. Sure. We remember that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So we were, uh, we were part of the uh, collateral damage of that. And okay. uh, so I uh, found myself for the first time since I was 16 out of a job and, wow. uh, and just took a few months off to decide what I wanted to do, but um, uh, decided that I wanted to, to stay in this business and uh, wanted to uh, spin up a new company. So we, yeah. we actually started uh, TruePay in the fall of 2002. Now, was that in the same, you know, kind of general work area of the Interlogic? And were you doing pretty much the same thing? Or was it a different vision, different mission? It was a different vision okay. um, and uh, similar similar geographic territories, but uh, it was a different uh, vision and focus uh, than than the, the previous company had. So tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of your mission, core values, uh, how big you are and, and what, what you do at TruePay. Sure. We are a, um, um, you know, we're a payroll processing and human capital management company. We do not develop software. We license software mm -hmm. uh, from, a, from a company called Kronos, which is a, uh, oh, sure. really a worldwide yeah. leader. HR in, management. Yeah, yeah. In time mm -hmm. and attendance. Yeah. Um, you know, our team is, uh, we, we, we work with about uh, 1,700 
clients throughout the country. Wow. Um, we're in every state uh, and every territory in the U.S. currently. Um, we have salespeople in, um, of course, in Indiana, throughout Indiana, Toledo, Detroit, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, Kansas City is a big market for us. Uh, we have a lot of business mm. in the Kansas City area. Um, we are a company that has um, really, you know, through the first uh, 10 or 10 years or so, uh, just kind of finding our groove a little bit. And mm. uh, and I think in the last uh, five years, it has really, really been fun. We are really uh, starting to rock and roll a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, we have under 100 employees, but we're growing right. quickly and uh, we're hiring quickly and uh, trying to find people to hire. Yeah. Um, and we've really done a really good job of ramping up our sales and development teams. Do you serve a certain segment of markets or a certain size, you know, middle market, early stage, Fortune yeah, 500? Yeah, good question. We, uh, um, we do a service publicly held groups where right. I, I consider us to be mid-market. Our primary base are really clients between the size of, say, 150 employees up to yeah. 5,000 employees. It's really Your a good size market is larger. for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. And and you provide the full service, the filings of the what is it, the form four forty ones and nine forty ones. Nine forty ones, right? Yep. Thank you. Issue the W twos <laughs> and all that kind of good stuff as well. Yeah, we do all that. We yeah, uh we yeah. really compete with um most of our competitors are large publicly held groups. Yeah. Like Heartland, I guess, is one. Heartland would be others. one. ADP, yeah. Paychecks, ADP, Paylocity, right. you know, some Paychecks. of those groups. But yeah. um uh but you know, we have a different model. And, yeah, what's and our, your point of differentiation? Tell us yeah, about it's that. really service and support, and it's um, uh, uh, you know, we when you call TruePay, you you're you're called you're talking to Jessica at our front desk. We don't have an automated attendant. Right, uh, you're right. literally talking to someone, and I think our team is much more adept. We have uh, a lot of seniority on our team. They take it very personally, very seriously. And and we have a phenomenal product with phenomenal service. And mm. um, so I, I always like to say, you know, why would anyone process with anyone else but us? Uh, <laughs> if, they, right. if they knew That's us, right. they wouldn't, but, but they just don't well, know about us. <laughs> we're going to be sending this podcast to some of your prospective clients and they'll, they'll understand why. Well, that'll be well, great. Tell us a little bit about your company culture. Do you have, you know, certain core values? You know, what do you do to kind of ensure that, you know, the uh, cross to all the folks who work? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. We are um, our, our our culture is one of openness, uh, transparency. It's mm. um, I think those things are really at the heart of building a uh, a great culture and a great company. It's it starts with hiring the right people, though. Right, and uh, right. it's with hiring the right people, though. And uh, and I think that's the, the job at that. Um, you know, I like to tell our people to uh, always challenge normality. Um, mm. Let's don't, uh, you know, don't get used to the way things are, because that's mm. no fun. I yeah, mean, let's let's right, challenge right. ourselves to do better and learn better ways of, of accomplishing tasks that we have to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, you know, you pretty much have had the same management team from, from the early days. Did you take some of the folks that were with you at Interlogic CNA or was it an entirely new team? That, that no, there were a few, had? but uh, we've yeah. had the same executive uh, leadership team um, from really day one. We've, wow. uh, we've developed a lot of our management team from within uh, sure. the organization. We've hired some people in for management roles along right. the way as well. So it's kind of a combination of both, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. 
good, good, good core Midwestern values. Absolutely, <laughs> I love that. Um, you know, I've recently heard that 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 CEOs are sometimes uncomfortable having their questions answered, rather their answers questioned, rather than their questions answered. Are you in that situation? Do you ever feel like, um, you know, maybe people treat you as the smartest person in the room, and you can't get them to, you know, question you? Or how do you kind of run your management suite? I hope that nobody thinks that I'm the smartest person in the room. (laughs) You know, we, uh, uh, I I really focus on, um, um, on debate on, uh, I Mm. I love for people to, uh, you know, collaborate, um, uh, with me and with our team. Um, I'm a strong believer that, um, you know, we are, are, I truly believe this or my, my people are much sharper than I am in so many areas. And, uh, so I, I would rather us make decisions as a team and get there together versus, uh, you know, just me making a decision. Yeah. I mean, I will yeah. do what's when it's necessary, uh, make the decision I think is in the best interest of the company. Sure. But uh, I really like to collaborate and I like um, I like a little dissent within the team once in a while. I, I think that's I think it's healthy. But, you know, it's hard. Right. You know, and, 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 and there's a lot of folks that, you know, despite, you know, you telling them, look, speak up and, you know, my door is always open and come to me. I, I, I speak to many CEOs, you know, in my executive search work. And of course we've had, you know, over 120 guests on the show by the time yours is released. And, you know, they, they struggle sometimes because they'll know that someone might have a point of view, or maybe they've overheard that, you know, someone might be an opinionated, but when they get in that executive conference room, they don't bring it up. How, how do you kind of tease that out? Have you been in situations where, you know, you, you kind of know someone might have something to say, but uh, maybe they're reticent or shy to say it? Absolutely. And I think it's a, um, um, I think the key to that is really to get the individual one-on-one and just talk to them about, yeah. about the goals and where they're at and what they're thinking. And if I have a sense that someone is uh, going in a certain direction, but is a little hesitant to, uh, to talk about it. I, I, I really bring it up straight. I, I talked to them about it and I said, you know, I, I feel that you have something to say and, uh, and I really uh, would value your opinion. I mean, I, but you'll uh, do that individually with them, not necessarily in a group. I setting. would not do that in a group setting. Yeah, I would do it individually. It's good style. I would take yeah. them out to lunch or right. we do go for a walk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things that we do that helps build our culture is I do one-on-ones with every employee at least wow. once or twice a year. And we, wow. and we sit That's down great. and sometimes these one-on-ones will take 20 minutes. Sometimes they take two hours. And, uh, but we just talk about things. We talk about their career. We talk about their families. We talk about what's happening in their life. And they tell me things that they normally wouldn't talk mm. about. And, uh, yeah. and awesome. they open up and it's been, it's really, really good because it really helps me understand what, where they're coming from and they get a little better flavor for who I am as well. How would you say your leadership styles evolved over time, Mark? Well, I think the, um, Certainly, I have uh, evolved into a to be a more direct um, mm-hmm. leader. Um, yeah. I don't give me I an example of that. Where, 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 you know, maybe 15 years ago when things got started, um, you know, now today, what does direct look like when it maybe didn't look that way then? Well, maybe 15 years ago, I would have uh, something would have happened, let's say, and, uh, and and maybe I would have brushed it under the rug and and right. and, and not necessarily right. have brought it to the surface and talked yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, today, I do. Mm, <laughs> we, right, uh, right. Life's you know, too I, short, and life is too short. Are too rare. Uh, yeah. That's right. right. And uh, I think the older you get, the more you realize the fact <laughs> that uh, you know you you really have to do that. And and, and frankly, people really appreciate it. Uh, they do. You know, our yeah. employees uh, really appreciate the direct conversation that we have. And it's not, it's good and bad. 
you know, sure. someone does a great Absolutely. job, they know it because I'm yeah. not afraid to tell yeah. them that. And I want yeah. to tell them that. So uh, I think it's really an important component. Do you find that's true with letting people go to, you know, I'm sure you've had your instances where there isn't a good fit. You know, I know that when I was a younger manager, oh gosh, I was so fearful of letting someone go. And yet, you know, that person was toxic to the organization and, you know, could go on for that. Have you found that that's been refined for you over the years as well? It has been. And I think it, it has, um, uh, again, it's one of those things that, uh, uh, is identified a little sooner than it used to be. Yes, right. and uh, right. uh, you know, and I'm very uh, comfortable in, in talking to people about you know, is this really a good fit for you or not? Yeah. Are you yeah. really happy yeah. with right. the role, your role at TruePay? And and once you start that conversation, if you do it in that kind of way, I mean, people open up pretty quickly. Yeah. I, right. I find right. Yeah, I've I've learned over the years, you're not doing anybody a favor. You know, you're certainly not doing the company a favor. You're not doing the fellow staff workers who are kind of thinking what the heck's going on here. But you're usually not doing the employee a favor either by keeping them in longer. You know? No, it's sometimes best for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, we talked a little bit about the importance of hiring people. You've mentioned that at least twice. What, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire? Well, I'm looking for uh, certainly intelligence. Um, mm. I'm looking for um, passion. Um, uh, from people, I want I want them to um, I want them to you know really have done their homework on TruePay. I want them right. to know what we're about uh, as much as they can know. Um, I'm looking for people with great attitudes, uh, motivated people that want mm. to achieve something in their life. Uh, you know, so passion, intelligence, um, motivation, someone that has uh, that is goal oriented and success oriented. Um, uh, would be probably the things that I'm I'm, I'm really uh, strong with. Uh, intelligence, though, is really high on my list. Uh, I want people yeah, that can yeah. learn quickly and comprehend what we're doing. Right, right. How do you get to that? I mean, let's say if you're hiring someone, eh, maybe they're a couple levels down the organization, right? You know, it's not a direct report. It's probably not a critical hire. But, you know, the manager's manager says, you know, I really want this person to meet Mark. I think this person's got a lot of potential. And I'm sure this has happened before. You know, can he spend just 15 minutes with him? And and let's say you're able to squeeze that into your day. What, what would you focus on? I mean, you've mentioned a long list of attributes, but if you had to boil it down to one or two, Mark, what is it that you would uh, ask this person? Person. Well, I'd be looking to get a good understanding of um, of their motivation. Uh, why mm -hmm, true pay mm -hmm. and not somebody else? Right. Uh, you know, why are you interested in our company? Um, and and really get an understanding of how that motivation can um, can evolve into a value for our organization and for the employee. And, yeah, uh, and, yeah, so and you know, you know, I think those things are, are that's probably the most important scenario and, and really attitude as well. You know, is this someone that's going to blend in well with our organization? I think I'm right. pretty perceptive of individuals. So I, I get a pretty good sense of, of people when talking to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you know, uh, you talked about being direct and the importance of that. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. You and I are about the same age. And, uh, you know, we, we just can't afford to beat around the bush. That's right. <laughs> Time is short. 
But, you know, and there's times when, you know, obviously performance is an issue and, you know, maybe you're not ready to pull the trigger on somebody. How do you kind of decide if it's time to micromanage someone or or stay out of their sandbox? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm definitely not a micromanager. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is not. I my, didn't think so. That, didn't that, sound like <laughs> it. <laughs> that, that is absolutely not my core. Uh, uh, and uh, so, you know, what I what I love to do is provide as uh, to jointly set goals with our with our employees and um, mm. uh, and and help them meet the goal. When that yeah. doesn't happen, micromanagement sometimes is a requirement. Sure. And uh, and so I, I am not afraid to jump into that process. And uh, to me, it's all about goals and meeting uh, objectives and results. Right. So if we're not meeting object- objectives or results, it's time that person needs help. And um, yeah. So my first, my first thing is to try to help that. You know, where's where's the pro? What is the problem? Where's the come up alongside and understand what's going on? Exactly, exactly. And then, and then what? What's the next step? And that was to help them, and it's to do whatever we need to do to help them get to the point of success. And if we can't get there, then we will have that discussion about you know this is just simply not working out for uh, for our company or for you because you can't be happy because you're not being successful with what your job is. And is it kind of a 30, 60, 90 day time frame goals? I mean, you, you tend to do it shorter than longer. I mean, how do you kind of, you know, manage that, that aspect of it if, if, if someone's yeah, a non-performer? We look at goals uh, over really a, um, a 12-month period and sure. uh, then kind of break it down into segments from there in terms of uh, 90 days, uh, six-month goals and uh, 12-month goals for people. Mark, you've been very generous with your time, but we've got a couple extra questions at the end here. I'd love. There's so much speculation about what life's going to look like, and specifically work in the post-COVID world. What changes do you see ahead? And, and let's talk about it, you know, kind of generally as it relates to kind of society and living and what kind of impact it have, and then maybe a little more narrow focus on business, and then specifically also to, uh, to TruePay and what, what impact it might have on your company. Absolutely. Um, you know, I my hope is that uh, with time, uh, a vaccine, um, mm. maybe some of our old normal will, re- will reappear. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I think right. social distancing is going to be a thing of the future. I, I don't see that yeah. going away. I agree. Um, you know, I don't see people shaking hands as much as they no. used to. Or I hugging. Think, or yeah. hugging. I think right. everyone is going to be a little bit hesitant to yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, I think for, uh, for TruePay, um, you know, we see a, uh, a more remote labor force is uh, kind of becoming mm. a standard for us in the yeah. future. Now, did you go totally remote during? We the did not actually. Yeah. We were um, we were considered um, essential. Essential, right. yeah. yeah. So right. we, but we had about um, a third of our about two thirds of our, our our team went remote, and about a third stayed at the office. So right, right. Uh, I was here every day, as was yeah. as was my yeah. um, head of finance was here every day as well. So will will those two thirds return, or do you think you'll have a larger remote workforce coming out? Yeah, they pretty much have returned, but I yeah. but I think that. Um, uh, we're probably more open to a remote workforce now than we ever have. We have a number of people that uh, were hired in as remote people, but right. it really worked out quite well. We didn't yeah. really have uh, an issue with that. But yeah. but I think that's going to change. I think um, you know Zoom meetings and, and other virtual right. platforms are going to continue to grow to become more normalized way of doing business. Yep. But I think yep. the biggest thing is going to be B2B selling. In the post-COVID mm. world, and I, I think organizations are going to be are going to be forced to change some of their processes. 
Less travel, perhaps. less travel. Be able to yep. sell products and re and demo products remotely. Yeah, uh, we're kind of going through that right now, trying to define what that what that's going to look like for us. But uh, but I think a lot of customers are not necessarily going to want to see salespeople showing up in their in that's their lobby. That's true. No, so absolutely. I think yeah. that's going to be a yeah. big change with COVID. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. Terrific. Well, last question. You know, we ask all this of all our CEO guests. What career and life advice would you give to someone who perhaps has his or her eyes on the corner office? Or, or maybe wants to be entrepreneurial like you, you know, works in an industry and then decides that's what I really want to build a career out of. It's a it's an interesting question because I think everyone's a little bit different, but I think I could I can narrow it down to two or three points. I think do something you love. Mm. Um, you know, I love building. I don't yeah. necessarily love payroll. <laughs> right, Payroll's right. kind of a you know, kind of a it's mundane a necessary. thing. <laughs> but I love what what this company gives me in terms of the ability to to build and um, and build both the company as well as to build the team around it. So Excellent. so do yeah. something you love. Don't be afraid to take a risk. Mm. And uh, and that doesn't mean just jumping into something without doing your homework. But 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 do your homework and and understand what the risks are. But don't be afraid to do it. Don't let don't let fear. Uh, stop you from making uh, a good decision. Right. And right. Uh, and then thirdly, uh, don't be afraid of, of long work and long hours um, yeah. because yeah. it's part of the deal and uh, nothing That's is right. free in this world, particularly in the business world. And you have to put the effort forth to make it happen. And if you love it and you're passionate about it, the third one shouldn't be an issue anyway. It's, a, it's right? easy. It's really easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mark Rutledge, president of TruePay Corp. Thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you, Brent. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.go4roi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.